Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome, everyone, to the Joan Hamburg Show. And happiness is something that everyone wants. And if they have it, they want to be able to keep it. A lot of people say, well, what does that mean? What is happiness? Well, Jancy Dunn, who is now going to be reporting for Well, one of our favorite things in the New York Times, she's going to be a columnist. And she's been on this beat for the journal and a lot of popular magazines and has written books at least nine books and has a new book coming out shortly and has done reporting, everything. But the happiness thing, I can't tell you, Jancy, how many phone calls I got on this alone and everyone reminding me that you can't get off the phone fast. You have to have a real thing. And it was all part of your happiness. So tell me what brought you to this. Okay, a book crossed our desk, and it's called The Good Life, and it was written by Bob Waldinger and Mark Schultz, Mm -hmm. and they direct the uh, Harvard Study of Adult Development, which is the world's longest scientific study of happiness. It started in the Depression era in 1938, Mm -hmm. and it's followed three generations. And we were just intrigued because they said that if you could boil down their findings to a single principle for living, it would be that good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. Like all kinds of relationships, not just with, you know, a partner or your kids, but everybody, you know, people in your neighborhood that you don't even know what they call weak ties, um, people that you may exchange a nod with, but you've never, you don't even know their name. You know, it, it all adds up. And so we thought, okay, we should adapt some exercises in order to strengthen your relationships. And we like this as part, we did the seven-day happiness challenge. And we liked the idea because, um, you know, I, there's, there's all kinds of challenges that people like to take in the new year, but I, I think this is one that's doable for all ages, for all abilities. It's about strengthening your relationships. And they had a concept in there that we hadn't heard before that they coined, which was social fitness. So it's kind of like physical fitness or Mm -hmm. your psychological fitness. Are you socially fit? Are you maintaining relationships? Are you forming relationships? So we found that really interesting. All right. And you determined all of this, right? Researchers (laughs) and you. Yes, I had to. I worked with Bob and we crafted a bunch of exercises based off of the research in the book. And uh, it was great for us because there's so many different kinds of relationships that we were easily able to come up with ones, you know, for all seven days, just different slices of relationships and things that you can do. And, and 
I will say that even editors on staff sometimes felt, you know, it's not easy. You have to make yourself vulnerable. We, we had one exercise that was send a, a letter of gratitude to somebody that's made a difference in your life. Um, I did it with a, a teacher that said I was going to be a writer in, in fourth grade. I looked at a report card and Mrs. Manley called it. I, she, she said, I think she has writing ability. I never knew that. She put it in my head. I didn't know you could be a writer. And she changed the course of my life. So I got in touch with her. And But it's, it's hard. You may get rejected. And there's another exercise about, you know, make small talk with, with people that you know in your neighborhood. If, if you can, you know, do that, you study show you're happier. But a lot of people have trouble with small talk. I, I do see that. And, and so we provided really easy exercises in the book to get started. One being, if people have uh, a dog or a baby, that's pretty much a 100% guarantee that they're going to talk to you if you say, oh, cute dog, cute baby. You know, a very easy conversation starter with someone that you don't know. But we do know it was it was daunting for people. So hopefully those exercises made it easier. But did you find that if they participated and they they took the challenge that they could, if they were not what one would define as happy, they could learn to be happy? Is that a learned yes. skill? It's an ongoing practice to be, to both sort of monitor your social fitness um, and to maintain it. It's not like it's one and done. It's not like, you know, you call your niece and you're done. It, it, it's an ongoing thing. And I've even noticed that since I've begun it. We, we did research for this months ago. I mean, this has been a long prep right. for us. But I notice, I don't know if you do, Joan, but like if, if a week has gone by and I feel a little off yet, I'm getting enough sleep. There's no problem. I think, oh, wait, I haven't talked to anybody that I love this week. And <laughs> it is part of your overall health, you know, these connections and Thinking of it as something to maintain um, is kind of new for me. And what was uh, so interesting that people were talking about was you point out that more than um, having a lot of money or all these things we thought were the clue to happiness, social class, it's your relationships, which is what will determine whether you're fulfilled or not. Exactly right. And that was based on the, the long-term research in the book. And, you know, even I've been guilty of thinking, okay, when I make a lot of money, it, I mean, it's magical thinking. I'm a journalist, but like, you know, in that right. far off day when I make a lot of money, then I'm, everything's going to fall into place and I'll be happy. And they argue that your resources for being happy are at arm's length. You can reach out and, you know, people, they're people and, and, and not only that, but it's kind of an unlimited <laughs> resource. You know, you can, there's many different sorts of people that you can reach out to. And I mean, even relatives, um, Dr. Waldinger was saying in the book that there were relatives in your own life that may be a source of buried treasure. And I realized that, you know, there's certain relatives I only interact with in kind of a group setting when we all get together in my extended family. Right. And I remember looking at my niece that I've only talked to kind of publicly. And I said, why don't we go for a walk? You know, and cause I, she's, teenage, she's a teenager. I don't actually know her that well. And so we had a wonderful hour long walk where I learned more about her than I had in previous years. And, you know, that's sort of 
looking around at what your resources are was sort of an interesting um, aspect of it, too. And we've heard from, you know, I've been interacting with readers who say things like, I was estranged from my brother for 30 years, and I got in contact with him and did an eight-minute phone call because that's one of the exercises, and it's, it doesn't scare people. It's, it's, it's quick, you know, and, and they reconnected after 30 years, and all of us were teary-eyed over that one. And you point out with all this research that if you're socially connected, and it doesn't have to be an army, right? It can be a few people. You live longer and you have some protection against depression and declines in memory or language. Yes, 100%. There's really robust research on that. And, uh, and you know, another thing that people say is, um, oh, is there a certain number of friends I should have? Absolutely not. Um, you know, the researchers were really clear on that. It's not the quantity. You don't need to have a, a million friends. If you have a couple of good friends who make you feel buffered from life's problems and you feel, you know, they understand you, great. It, there's no number. And other people are worried, do I have to be an extrovert? Absolutely not. I am an introvert. You can't tell because I interview people and I just present as an extrovert, but actually I'm quite shy. There's, you know, introverts need people too. They just socialize in a different way and they don't particularly perhaps like big groups. And other people were saying, is it too late for me? Never too late. People, when they retire, discover all kinds of vocations. They volunteer, they get divorced or they're widowed. They find uh, a new relationship. There's many different ways to connect. Um, I know it can be hard, though. I don't want to sound too sunny about it. It takes work, mm -hmm. and you have to keep maintaining it. But the benefits can be physical and mental, can be enormous. Right. And you point out that it doesn't have to be a major relationship. It could be talking to the mail carrier or someone at the dog run. Yes, indeed. I mean, if you... You know, we've all seen how that happens. We have like a little friendly exchange, maybe um, at the grocery store or something. And then you walk away with a little glow. You know, you feel a little better about the world. And that's real. I did it in my neighborhood. I talked to um, this woman whose dachshund always barked at me. And finally, I thought, all right, that's it. I'm going to talk to her. And I said, you know, how can I make friends with your dachshund? And she said, oh, Petey doesn't like it when people wear hats. It oh makes him gosh. bark. <laughs> Petey the dachshund. So I said, oh, so, and she said, I don't want to tell everyone I pass in the neighborhood, so I didn't tell you, but um, winters are hard for Petey. I thought, yeah, okay, because everyone's wearing hats. So now when I see Petey, I pull my hat off. He doesn't bark. It's so funny. And to me, you know, then the neighborhood is a friendlier place. I know Petey. I know the woman now. I know Petey's foibles. And it just makes it better for, for me, too. Right, and she feels good about it. <laughs> yeah, well, what, one less person, you know, Petey, Petey refrains from barking, at least me, because I, I see him in the distance, and I, I say, oops, got to take the hat off. That's very funny. And I <laughs> like the secret power of the eight-minute phone call. How'd you guys get to eight minutes? Okay, we had a long meeting about this, and I started doing it with my friends who were busy, because I would say, come on, can you do eight minutes? 
to me, five is unrealistic. You know, it's too short, but 10 can, there's a danger that it can go to, to 15, 20, 30. And, it, you know, like it or not, people are busy. And, you know, I cite research in this challenge that there was, <laughs> there was this one, these one researchers, a uh, group of researchers in Texas, they studied phone calls. Only 2% of them, uh, both parties wanted to get off at the same time. Some people wanted to talk longer. Others were dying to get off the phone. There's When there's a hard out of eight minutes, everybody can relax. And if you're calling somebody that you really care about, you can get down to it really quickly. You can dispense with small talk. And we've just found, and, and the researchers kind of back that up, like, oh, you can make a genuine connection in eight minutes. And so that really took off. I, I remember... Um, Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston even um, wrote about the eight-minute phone call, well, posted it in her Instagram stories, and we said, oh, my goodness. I mean, <laughs> she's busy. She can do eight minutes. So can the rest of us, right? Right. You know, and the truth is, often it is eight minutes without even realizing it. Right, exactly. Like you're, 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 you say, okay, I've arrived at the dry cleaner because a lot of people try to fit in their friends as they're mm. running around, right? And then, right, and you should, you have to go anyway. And just that takes away the um, the discomfort of kind of saying, oh, I have to go. And um, there was another funny cue in there that um, we cited more research about <laughs> that a conversational cue to get off the phone is. So anyway, and I realized <laughs> that I've heard friends say that to me. So, you know, or, or I'll let you go. My mother says that to me. That means I want to I'm, go. I've had enough, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and I like chat up with someone you don't know. Now, I have a friend who does it all the time. You go to the theater and she'll talk to them, the people in front, the people in back, the people next to her. And it used to annoy us, but it gave her such pleasure that, you know, we'd say, why don't you do this with your friends? No, she likes it with strangers. Everybody has one of those friends. <laughs> yeah. So th that's one of the things. And it's worth it, even if you're uneasy making small talk. You know, a lot of people have to learn how to do small talk. It's a skill, like anything else, isn't it? And, and you know, um, other people that I talk to, that um, social psychologists, they say, just keep in mind if someone rejects you and I've been doing it as an experiment for weeks now, you know, because we walk the talk on these things and, and, you know, if somebody turns away, like there's been times where, you know, I'm friendly, but if people have kind of backed away from me and maybe they think I'm trying to sell them something or pull out a pamphlet, you never know. But the one researcher said to me, an English researcher said, you have to remember they're not rejecting you. They don't know you. And that has been helpful because it's not like they're, they know anything about me. They're not rejecting me as a person. And so, and who knows what's going on with people, right? There's all kinds of reasons why they don't want to chat with you. You move on to someone else. So we've been, you know, instructing readers, like if you, if, if it's not working, move on to someone else. Don't take it personally. Just um, go. Easier said than done. You know, rejection is rejection, but uh -huh. you just have to keep going because it, it's worth it. You know, I have a friend in the days when people had dinner parties, you know, before <laughs> COVID and everything. And she said she had a guy sitting next to her and he asked what she did. And she was 
at home. It was had been COVID and she was taking care of two or three kids. And she said she looked at him. He just turned away from her. She He deemed her not interesting enough to oh. have a conversation. So that happens to people very often, especially in cities like New York. Right. When what do you do is the first question, right? Exactly. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. He didn't even bother getting to know her. So no, not at all. About her. Yeah. She said he didn't a- even know my name. Like, what do you do? And it obviously wasn't interesting enough. Mm -hmm. And he physically turned away. Oi. But I tell you. Do you have a conversation with people, Joan? Do do I watch? Are you a a talk up a stranger type? Because you talk to people all day. Maybe I'm just curious when you're off duty, do you still chat with people or maybe you need to conserve your energy? Well, I still talk to friends a lot. But we mm-hmm. on weekends, if we were going somewhere, my husband would say to me, why aren't you talking to me? You talk all day to everyone. I say, well, I'm sort of <laughs> talked out, but <laughs> but I'm a talker, <laughs> you know, with friends. I loved your living elegy. I always wanted to start a business, Funerals for the Living, because <laughs> all that nice stuff and you're not there to hear it. It's sort of annoying. But right. it's a waste of energy. It's like, why not appreciate people while they're still still among us? I agree. That's a great idea. Yeah, it would be a good business, but they may be a little insulted. Anyway, <laughs> you've had a very good response to this piece. Uh, we have. We've gotten uh, millions of clicks, just an overwhelming response. And it's certainly pointed towards that people are hungry for connection uh-huh. that maybe they don't always need to go about it. Um, you know, we, we, we're definitely going to continue that coverage because we see how loneliness impacts your health. There's it's a bad lots thing. Of, yeah. I mean, there's this, an epidemic of loneliness as our surgeon general, uh, Vivek Murthy said, and, you know, among older people, it can be difficult for them and, and if they're housebound. And so we're definitely going to think of ways to continue this because it's it really seemed to have struck a nerve with people. And um, so, yeah, there's all kinds of directions we can go in. No, it's a really good topic and people do need that helping hand. I like the importance of work friends, too. Well, yeah, we, we settled on that because a lot of people, particularly kind of post-COVID when everyone's filtering back into the office or, um, you know, if they're students or um, we even classed, you know, we said if you're retired, it could be at whatever place where you spend a lot of time. But there's sometimes a feeling of I'm going to get in and I'm going to get out and I'm going to clock in and do my work and get out. And that is, I understand that impulse. And sometimes you just feel like you have nothing left to give after you've been at work all day. But there's an important study that shows that um, if you have a best friend at work, that you are more engaged at work, that you stay longer at that employer, that you, um, that people report feeling happier. Um, and, and I've been, I was polling around before we did the work exercise. And a lot of people I know don't have a best friend at work. And that makes you feel unsupported. And, you know, as Dr. Waldinger said, 
you know, say you spend eight hours or more at that job, that's a large portion of your day to not feel connected to others. And so he really, you know, he devoted a whole chapter to it of, you know, make connections. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to have a best friend, just people that make you feel supported because otherwise that can really impact you psychologically mm-hmm. at work, you know? So we were, I mean, there's all kinds of practical things you can hang out, you know, in the snack room where everyone gathers okay. and just make conversation. You can, you can see what people are displaying. If you work at a place where there's cubicles, if there's pictures, you know, people always like talking about their families, their pets, um, all kinds of small ways. Cause that can be difficult for people too, you know, well. and we understood that. There's a whole lot to go on to well, and you're going to find the seven-day happiness challenge. And I know a lot of you, now that the weather's getting crummy, do things like maybe cancel plans because it's tempting to curl up on the couch, but socializing (laughs) is better for you. A good job. We'll talk again, and good luck at your new job at the Times. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me on. I, I, I love being here. A pleasure. We're all going to be happier. Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) your time.